taking the first few minutes of the meditation to just settle into an awareness of the body, checking in with your posture, finding that balance between uprightness and ease so that the spine is relatively straight. There's a sense of dignity in the posture. We actually look to find in the posture this sense of energy and ease that we also cultivate in the mind. So the body is actually this representation of the qualities of mind we're also cultivating. So there's a sense of interest or alertness, connection, but not striving not trying to control or manipulate experience. So this open awareness of body through the body posture, perhaps taking a few deeper breaths, the beginning of the sitting just to bring some energy, straightening and lifting on the in-breath, really feeling that sense of uprightness in the posture, and then a little bit of softening on the out-breath. And then after a few breaths, letting the breath become more natural, quieter. As I said in the sutta, the Satipatthana Sutta that this practice comes from, one of the lines said, all we need to know is to have mindfulness to recognize there is a body. So if you ever get lost or confused in this practice, if it seems too complicated, coming back to this simple direct awareness of body, however you feel it, whether it's just a felt sense of the whole body or particular sensations of pressure or warmth, tingling, vibration, or you feel the breath moving in the body. This is always a good foundation for our practice that we can begin with and come back to again and again. And then from that foundation, that sense of connection, direct connection. Not the idea of the body, how you wish the body was, pushing away the bits you don't like that are perhaps uncomfortable, trying to hold on to an ideal of the body. The body as it is right now. We bring as much acceptance and kindness to that experience as we can but the body just as it is. We can include in that awareness of body also awareness of sounds. Blessed this morning by the sound of rain. Water dripping down the gutters. This is also part of our felt experience of body. 
as are the sounds in the room of people moving or coughing. They don't need to be distractions. They're just another arising in the field of awareness. And we include also in this mindfulness our attitude towards our experience. We trying to hold on to some aspects or pushing away others, is there liking or disliking? Irritation or impatience, restlessness, or calm, curiosity, equanimity, perhaps even joy or gratitude. Also aware of this, this is the third foundation of mindfulness, this recognition of the mind of citta. Not getting lost in any story about what's happening, but staying with this felt sense of body and its elemental nature. The breath can be in the foreground or the background. Just seeing what works for you to bring this sense of presence, of mindfulness, of aliveness to the meditation. Now we'll begin our practice with the third group of body parts. I'll say them out loud, so you don't need to get your paper out, but if you like to have it in front of you, you're welcome to look at your paper and read. This morning we'll be working with heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, and lungs. It's getting more interesting our exploration of what are these parts, how do I feel them? So we'll recite those five, five times, out loud, together. Heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs. 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 And now say that same grouping five times silently to yourself, just to have this sense of memorizing this part of the list. Heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs. Heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs. Heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs. Heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs.
And if you get lost, you can always come back to your piece of paper. I'll give you a guided meditation through each of these. So beginning with the heart, this force of life in our body, it's one of the organs that we're perhaps most conscious of, the beating of the heart. The color is red, the shape is like a lotus bud. Remember these are very uh, traditional Asian imagery for these organs, like a lotus bud. The direction is above the waist. The location is found between the two breasts inside the body, slightly to the left of the midline. Delimitation, bordered by the lungs and the back, behind the sternum or breastplate bone. So just feeling into the heart as it beats. If it helps, you can put your hand on your heart, as we so often do, as such a gesture of connection, of caring, of sincerity. The heart conveys all these qualities. So the medical definition of the heart is a hollow, muscular, contractile, 10-ounce organ, the center of the circulatory system keeps us alive, this heart beating. The heart pumps over 300 quarts of blood an hour. It provides propulsive force to circulate blood throughout the vascular system over 60,000 miles a day. The heart beats around 100,000 times every day and some 37 million times a year. The human heart creates enough pressure to squirt blood 30 feet. It's an amazing muscle, pumping away, keeping us alive. So tuning into the heart, its location, its color, its shape. As we do this practice, you, use, you can use a combination of your knowledge, just as I read of the description and the function of the heart, your felt sense, sensing into the actual physical experience of the heart beating, your imagination. You can use your imagination in this practice. In fact, you need to, just to really feel the heart in a way perhaps you've never felt it before. Its actual physicality, its roundness, its three-dimensional nature. the movement of the heart. As you practice, again, thoughts or images may arise. Acknowledging whatever comes up for you, being open, curious, accepting, but not needing to tell a long story. Just recognition, simple and clear, perhaps one sentence of what this memory, thought is. Coming back to feeling what it is you feel in relationship to this memory. You can perhaps see how often what we feel is located somewhere in the region of the heart, the center of the chest. So the practice comes together in this way. 
We're working on all these different levels. And sometimes you may not feel anything much. Perhaps it's hard to connect with this experience. That's okay too. This is part of the training of the deepening of concentration. Can you let your attention rest in this area? In this case, the center of the chest, a little to the left. And just be okay with whatever it is you sense. The slightest sensation of beating or pulsing might be warmth or coolness. Not resisting or having an agenda, but just training the attention to be present in this way for this experience of the heart. Seeing if you can stay steady with the mindfulness of the heart. It's very natural for the thoughts to wander, trigger a chain of thinking, and we get lost in past or future. Not to be judgmental, aversive to that. It's very natural. But just as soon as you recognize you've gotten lost or distracted, The heart is there beating, whether you're paying attention or not. Just coming right back to connection, to this amazing 
organ pumping blood for us. The next in our list is the liver. This may be a little more obscure. Most of us don't have a direct relationship to our liver. The liver is pinkish brown. The shape is like an oblong ball, convex on its upper margin, concave on its lower margin. Direction is above the waist. The location is in the upper right quadrant of the abdominal cavity, resting just below the diaphragm. The liver lies to the right of the stomach and overlies the gallbladder. And you can't directly feel the liver even if you put your hand there, but sometimes it's helpful just to rest the hand there and feel into this very large organ, so important. Delimitation, surrounded by the digestive organs, circulation, respiration, and back. So the liver is the largest internal glandular organ in the body, three to three and a half pounds, the size of a football. And I have to add there, American football. So, what's that shape? What's it called? Yeah, football. Football shape. There are other footballs in the world. Kidding. Mm. <laughs> it's American football, though, isn't it? American football. So, yeah. what's that shape called? Yes, yes, American football. What is that shape called? Football. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for this discussion. I thought, doesn't it have a name, that shape of a football? Football shape. <laughs> huh? Is it an ellipsoid? I'm sure an ellipsoid? Is it? I have no idea. Sorry for that disturbing your meditation. Huh? Almond, thank you. Almond shaped. Pointy at either end, I think. Round in the middle, anyway just to help you feel into its shape. So, the liver is the first organ to receive blood from the intestines where the blood has absorbed the final products of digestion and decomposition. The liver removes toxic products and purifies digestion and assimilation. It incorporates amino acids into energy production. It synthesizes cholesterol as well as lipoproteins for the transport of fat to other body tissues. It converts fatty acids so they may be used as energy sources. The liver stores and releases sugar. The liver is the storage place for copper, iron, vitamin B12, and fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K. The liver excretes bile, which we'll meet later in our list. So again, an amazing organ. 
Most of us have no idea what it does, but there it is. Three to three and a half pounds. It's large. So again, perhaps you can't feel it directly, sense it directly. Letting your attention drop into that part of the body, the upper right quadrant of the abdominal cavity. It's pinkish brown. Got that almond shape. Providing all of these vital functions for the body. So again, sensing, imagining, using your understanding, just letting your attention rest in that area. You don't have to have a direct experience or any particular experience. Part of the training is this willingness just to direct the attention and see if you can hold it somewhat steadily there, even if you're not getting kind of positive feedback. Oh yes, this is it, I've got it. You don't need to have that. It's just this curiosity, directing the attention, this calm, steady way into this area of the body, taking in the information that I've given, and being with whatever it is you experience. Again, if it gets lost or there's nothing there you can connect with, hold it in the larger awareness of the body. The body is sitting here, breathing. But there's some awareness, attention to the liver, the location, a sense of maybe fullness there or pressure. Play around with what helps you just drop into that experience of the liver.
Now moving on to the diaphragm. The color of the diaphragm is white or red. Its shape is a thin, wide, elastic membrane shaped like a beanie. And a beanie is a a form-fitting woolen cap, so a little rounded, concave-shaped cap. Its direction is above the waist. Its location is in the abdomen and chest, separating the chest from the abdomen. Its delimitation is bordered by the abdomen and chest. So the diaphragm is a thin layer of muscle that separates the chest cavity containing the lungs and heart from the abdominal cavity containing the intestines and digestive organs. It extends across the bottom of the rib cage. So this is that muscle that enables us to breathe, the lungs to expand and contract. So again, if you want to rest your hand there at the center of the abdomen, feeling this motion of the diaphragm. The diaphragm contracts to promote inhalation, flattening downward, and permitting the lungs to expand. So something we're aware of as we pay attention to the breath. It relaxes to promote exhalation, rising to its dome-shaped position and compressing the lungs. The diaphragm is also involved in non-respiratory functions, helping to expel vomit, feces, and urine from the body by increasing intra-abdominal pressure and preventing acid reflux by exerting pressure on the esophagus. The diaphragm also enhances blood and lymph returns to the heart. In a way, it is considered the venous system heart or pump. So perhaps you just thought of the diaphragm as associated with breathing, but it has all these other functions. This stretchy, elastic muscle membrane here at the center of the abdominal cavity. As you breathe, feeling it expanding and contracting. Sensing into it, it's white or red. moving with every breath and feeling it, sensing it, dropping into direct experience, diaphragm. might notice sometimes it feels tight. The diaphragm contracts. It's a common experience. The way we express nervousness or agitation, perhaps a sense of inadequacy or holding back. Seeing if you can soften and relax around the diaphragm and belly. How does that impact the breath? So we explore this region of the body, the diaphragm. 
If you find you're getting sleepy or distracted, perhaps take a few deeper breaths so you can really feel the movement in that area. get lost or distracted, just being willing to recognize the thinking or the memory, planning, and coming back to just this felt sense, diaphragm in the body. Now moving on to the spleen. Again, this may be an organ we don't have much of a connection to. So just being steady, patient with your practice. The color of the spleen is dark red. The shape is like a medium water balloon. The direction is above the waist. The location is in the abdominal area lying in the upper left quadrant of the abdomen, and it's bordered near the intestines, the chest, and the back. So again, not something you might be able to feel very directly. We use our mindfulness to explore that area of the body, the upper left quadrant, of the abdomen, sensing in there, this dark red, squishy organ. The spleen isn't like an elongated, the spleen is an elongated sponge-like tissue organ. Its function is blood formation, and it acts as a reserve for red blood cells. The spleen also has, also has support, also supports some immune functions as well. 
And it's interesting, many of these organs, there are uh, traditional sayings about them, how they affect our experience, our character, our mood. And so in Old English, there were sayings such as being good-spleened meant to be good-hearted or compassionate. So the spleen was associated with these warm feelings. But in modern English, to vent one's spleen means to vent one's anger. So it's interesting how it's changed, the relationship. The English term splenetic is used to describe a person who is in a foul mood. (laughs) So... Just check in, what's your relationship right now to spleen? Is it having any impact? Probably not. But can you explore that area? Just with curiosity. I keep saying, part of this training is not so much your direct experience of a particular organ. We can't force that. But the willingness or the ability to direct the attention with some clarity and let it rest in the chosen area without resistance or impatience. It's the kind of tenderness you might bring if you were watching a wild animal or a bird. You have to be very still, very quiet, but very attentive for any sign that they might appear. If you move too quickly or give up, you'll never see them. So you have to rest patiently. This is the attitude in this practice. That training is more important than your experience of the spleen. So again, not judging your practice or thinking you're not getting it. If you're just willing to rest your attention in this general area of the body with some curiosity, opening to the whole body and the breath, if that helps you stay connected, then this practice is being developed. Lastly, we'll go to the lungs. This is an organ that we do have a connection with, especially as meditators. We've been directed towards our breath so often. But it's different to actually sense into the lungs themselves, not just the movement of the breath. So the lungs are dark red, They're like long melons cut in half. The surface area of the lungs is approximately the same size as a tennis court. All of that folded in these lungs in your chest. It's amazing. The direction is above the waist, the location is in the chest, and they're bordered by the abdomen, the rib cage, the back, and the heart in front. So again, you can usually feel the lungs, the movement of the air through the lungs. If it helps to put your hand on your chest, you can do that too. 
The primary purpose of the lungs is to bring air and blood into intimate contact so that oxygen can be added to the blood and carbon dioxide removed. This is achieved by two pumping systems, one moving gas and the other liquid. During a 24-hour period, the average human will breathe 23,040 times. Humans breathe 20 times per minute, more than 10 million times per year, and about 700 million times in a lifetime. These lungs pumping like bellows, day in, day out. Seeing if you can feel into not just the movement of the breath, but the organs themselves, these spongy organs, lobes, all of their convolutions. Again, the breath of life. So important for us. You can let your attention move through the area of the lungs. Or perhaps just have a broader sense of them expanding and contracting. And what helps you stay connected to lungs?
So as you continue with your practice today, as we add more of the organs, you can use your own discernment as to what supports your practice. Sometimes the simplest thing is just to stay with the five we've introduced. That's more than enough. But as we've said, if something is particularly drawing you, you feel a connection to, it's fine to go back to that. As I said last night, this is not giving you a medical degree. It's not about your clarity of understanding of these individual parts, but the training of the attention and the deepening of insight. This is what's important. So you can do that with any of them. But there's a simplicity to just staying um, with the ones we've just described. And as I said, each of you will find your way in. It can seem a little obscure. It's like, what am I feeling here? What am I putting my attention on? And it's hard to, to do that. It's so easy for the attention to wander when it doesn't have a clear place to land. So as I said, the, the power of this practice is that training. It's not that you can feel your spleen. It's that you can just rest the attention there. And then, you know, it, it, it is possible, definitely possible to get, bring more clarity to these experiences, but that's, you can't do that by striving after it. It really is this very relaxed attitude, curiosity, patience, um, calm, equanimity. These words, these qualities, just as I say them, you can see how powerful they are, how supportive they are, not just of this practice, but for our life. So that's what we're training in as much as anything. And so, yeah, exploring how you best drop into these imagination, looking at the pictures at the back, um, you know, anything that gives you some evoking. Marcy will talk more about ways of uh, dropping into them. It's a very creative practice. You'll each find your own way. And different times of the day, uh, different parts of the body will work, you know, more or less for different people. So... Don't give up, don't be judgmental, don't get frustrated, though you probably will. (laughs) Because it's it's an unusual practice, but really to keep coming back to the sense of the body sitting, breathing, and this sense of calm, patient inquiry. You know, what's happening here, just in this area of the body? The simplest sensations, the simplest uh, connection, that's all you need for this practice to develop. And as I said last night, the Buddha encouraged us to practice in all four postures, sitting, walking, standing, lying down. So can include this practice in the detail we're doing it in any of those postures. So encourage you to use the standing meditation. I think Bob has talked about that already. I've seen a few people standing. It's a great way to balance energy. If you're feeling tired or sleepy or if the body is aching, just stand up in the meditation hall. The practice is exactly the same. doesn't need to ha- make, make any difference. Sometimes it's easier to feel some of these things if we're standing in the chest and, and belly are a little more open. So you can experiment with that. Um, you know, just have a period of standing just to do that deliberately, not just as a balance. Just to say, I'm going to stand for this sitting. It sounds kind of silly, but... Um, come in and stand for a half an hour or 45 minutes or in your walking. You can just stand at the beginning of your walking path and just really sense into the body, sense into all of the things that are holding you upright, the skeletons and the muscles, just feeling that, the connective tissue 
and then beginning your walking out of that. Sometimes in the walking it can be complicated to do all of these different things. Again, if it's working for you, great. It's great to have a kind of continuity, but it's also sometimes easier just to keep it really simple. I went to one um, Four Foundations retreat by Venerable Analeo, who simplifies the 32 parts to just skin, flesh, bones. And in that, he said it includes everything. The skin includes all of the the first five, um, head, hair, body, hair, nails, teeth, skin. And then flesh is all the juicy bits, (laughs) everything that's a little liquid, and then the bones. So in walking, you can sometimes just use that. And one way is to do one path, skin. One of your trajectories, stop. And the next one, pay attention to the flesh and just the sense of the juiciness of the body, the muscles and the organs. And then the next one, bones. So you can play with that too. Don't get overcomplicated with this. If you feel the steam coming out of your ears, it's time to simplify and just get back in touch with the body. As I said, all you need to know There is a body. Okay, any questions about the practice so far? Yes. Um, I was wondering, is it fairly normal to experience um, very lucid and emotional dreams? It feels like I haven't been sleeping, I've just been dreaming. Yes. So at night or while you're sitting here? At night. night. Okay. Trying to sleep. Is it, is it normal to experience very lucid, vivid dreams? Yes. It's very common on retreat. As we um, develop the mindfulness and the concentration, there's a heightened clarity in the mind. It mightn't feel like that yet, but believe me, it is happening. And that transfers into the sleeping state as well. So it's very normal to hear people who don't normally remember their dreams to remember their dreams. And my understanding is that we all dream, you know, at some point during the night, but many people don't remember them. But so what's happening may not be that you're dreaming more, but you're just, the clarity is there that you're remembering them. And different things can affect your sleep here. You know, one is just being in a new place and there's perhaps some noise at night. You're not sleeping quite as deeply. That can definitely have an effect on the dream cycle and your ability to remember the dreams. Um, but there is this sort of clarity that's, that's being developed too. So the dreams, and I also think what's happening is just as it does as we're going through these body parts, we're touching into parts of our memory, our conditioning, um, all of our experience, and it's more available, more accessible for us. So that also comes up in the dreams as kind of almost a housekeeping, spring cleaning that's happening, of just letting go of some of this stuff. And the lucidity is from the clarity. You know, you're not quite as lost in the dream state. So, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. And I've had people say, what's going on? You know, I normally have either no dreams or pleasant dreams, and here my dreams are really quite dramatic. And I think that's also part of this purification that can happen. So we start to tap into some of the deeper, you could even say, subconscious, unconscious experiences. And the practice is, again, not to get lost in the story. The story is just generated out of conditions. It's what's the impact, and can I bring acceptance and kindness to that? You know, sort of calming kind of attitude, if possible. And I know it's sometimes difficult, but it's very common. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes, so the word spirit, this is spirit rock, what was that word? Um, the, that was the name of this land before we bought it. And I don't know if you know, there is a spirit rock. It's the large rock in the flat field. You would have passed it on your right as you came over White's Hill. And it's a, a, a flat field, it's probably 50 acres. And in the middle there's a giant rock, almost triangular shaped with a big tree growing out of it. So it's quite an unusual formation. And the story is people say, oh, the American Indians called it Spirit Rock. I said, well, they didn't speak English, so I don't think they did. (laughs) I think the hippies in the 60s who moved here called it Spirit Rock. But it certainly was the name that this land had before we bought it. So it's why we just took that. And it's such an unusual formation. And and it's such a nice name, the balance of spirit, which has this sense of uh, lightness and clarity, and then the rock, the steadiness. And so I, I don't want to go too much into this because it really de- depends on how you define the word spirit. It's not something that's in the Buddhist terminology in the way we might think of it you know, in Christianity where it could be associated with the word soul. Um, in Buddhism, there isn't a concept of soul or something sort of living within us that has a, a separate entity-ness to it. Um, but if the word spirit means a a sense of openness to oneness and to interconnectedness and to wonder, then it's very much part of, you know, how we view our experience in the world. So it's just a short way of answering that question. Okay, I have a few announcements to make. Uh, Just to clarify the interview schedule, each of you will get one group and one individual interview. So today we'll be finishing up the group interview. So if you weren't, if you were <coughs> weren't on yesterday and you're not on today, please let the managers know and they can uh, point you to a group. But uh, hopefully we've got everyone. And then tomorrow we'll begin the individual interviews. So if you were seen yesterday, you'll be in, a, in an individual interview tomorrow. If you're seen in a group today, <coughs> individual interview the next day. So please do remember to check the board. Uh, e- quite closely. Some people have missed their names on the board and, um, you know, we can always work it out, but that's the basic schedule of the interviews. And then lastly, um, we talked on the opening night about creating a sense of community and non-harming. One of the things that we can do that really contributes to that is to be very mindful of fragrances and scents. It's amazing how impactful these can be for some people, really very challenging to their health, not just a preference, but challenging to health. And so please look at your toiletries, um, anything that says fragrance in it. You may not smell it, but someone else might. So please don't use those products. The managers have alternatives for everything in the, in the manager's office. So please go check with them. And if you're at all unsure whether something you're wearing has sent, go and ask a manager. We can do, they can do the sif, sniff test. And it is out of concern for the community so everyone can practice here with a sense of safety and ease. So really a, a strong encouragement as a mindfulness practice and a compassion practice to be aware of, you know, even sometimes the clothes we bring to retreats can have smells on them and you may not know them. So if you have any, even the slightest suspicion 
Uh, it's an act of kindness to just go to the managers and they're very happy to do this for us, aren't you, Beth? <laughs> Actually, did we welcome you, Beth? Did you get introduced to the group? No. So Beth is our director of uh, retreat programs. I forget you have a very long title. Director of, and normally she's in an office working away and just kind of looking down from above. But she's very happily stepped in to be uh, the manager for these couple of days. So it's really great to have her uh, serving us. So that's who you'll meet if you go to the office today. Beth Hamlet. Thank you. Okay, so do you want to do the next so um, for those of you who would like to participate in the Qigong, we'll be starting in a few minutes. and have a little time for bathroom break. Come on back. Otherwise, um, it's walking in the beautiful, moist air. <laughs> <laughs>